Hello and welcome back to the WTF1 podcast. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison. And with me, as ever, for another edition of Hot Takes Wednesday, it's Kieran Oates. Good to see you, Kieran. Hello, how is everyone? I hope you're all doing well. Um, and I'm just ready to get into some takes, some which are hot, some which are not, um, and decide on a rating of one to five if I agree or disagree. Uh, I love that Kieran got the whole format out of the way in, in like 10 seconds. Beautiful. Mwah. Thank you. Yeah. It's, what I'm, it's what I'm here for. Chef's kiss. You love to see it. it saves me a task, let me tell you. But uh, yeah, Kieran's absolutely right. We, you send in your hot takes to us. We'll evaluate them on the hotometer on a scale of one to five. One being that we strongly disagree. Five being that we strongly agree. They're hot and we will see how, how well we can handle them. Also, stay tuned for, in a couple of weeks' time. We'll be adding an extra little, uh, shall we say, gimmick to Hot Takes Wednesday regarding the hottest and the coldest takes we'll be going through throughout 2023. So stay tuned for that in a couple of weeks' time. Just I thought I'd tease the audience just a little bit on that I one. feel teased. I oh, do. yeah. Good, good. Uh, <laughs> we love to hear that. So excellent. Right. Should we get into Hot Takes Wednesday, Kieran? I think we absolutely should, Dre. Let's do this. So, hot take number one. It's from Big Bob Theory. Aston should be nervous. Drogovic will look miles better than Stroll in testing. How can he look miles better than Stroll in testing if Stroll's not in testing? Case closed. There we go. End of that argument. <laughs> um, I, I, look, I mean, testing's a weird one. Like, you're not going to see the capacity of a driver in testing you're not going to see how fast they are necessarily it's all about the car um and there really will be no reference i guess potentially fernando but they'll be on different things they'll be focusing on different parts of the car so i mean if i'm looking at this as like a serious question about like what will actually happen then that's not really what testing's about um i will say i think it's great to see drogovic in a formula one car in any capacity i Personally, as I was just saying before we started recording, I personally believe that if an injury is enough to keep you out of testing, then it is enough to keep you out of the first race of the season as well, potentially. So, especially given they're only a week apart. Yeah. So I, I, I reckon we might see Drogovic make his debut, and that's that'd be great for him. Um, but there's no, I don't think there's any way of telling where they are at compared to each other. Um. I I think race one of the season, if you can compare in equal machinery, Drogovic and Alonso, then that's a good indicator. But um, yeah, I, I I can't rate this as I can't agree with this statement because it um, it hurts the brand, shall we say, <laughs> and our and our sponsors. So um, yeah, I, I, what do you think? What do you reckon? Um. I think your logic is sound. I mean, there is no yardstick. That's the problem. Like, we don't have access to Lance Stroll in a simulator, um, which is ultimately what reserve drivers are hired for, first and foremost. There's no getting around that. And um, I think you're right, Kieran. I think there is a reasonable chance that Drogovic might actually take part in the season opener. I also think there's a possibility they might end up borrowing from the McLaren pool of reserves as well because they're all share the, the Merck's powered teams are all sharing them. Um Stoffel Van Dorn is also part of the Aston Martin outfit of drivers. He's he's busy this weekend because Formula E is racing in Cape Town and he's obviously there for DS Penske. Um, but next week he is free. So I could see them putting Stoffel in 
next week, given he's already got F1 experience. Um, and that might be a safer pair of hands than Drogovic, giving him an F1 debut straight away. Um, but there isn't really a valid yardstick. And look, we're talking about Lance Stroll. It's hard to talk about Lance Stroll and Aston Martin with any real sense of jeopardy. I think even Kieran would probably have to admit that. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> of course you don't, darling. Um, no, but like it's it's hard to talk about Lance in any sense of real jeopardy because his seat is safe as long as he wants to drive it and as long as his dad owns the team. And I don't want to be cynical against Stroll's ability, but Ray, the man's had an accident. Be nice. We should all be we should all be pointing out how solid and dependable he is. And what a shame it is to see him not at the racetrack. And I I, uh, I am disgusted. I'm disgusted by the tone of this question. I'm disgusted by your response to it. Um, and I personally wish you well, Lance. <laughs> I wish him well as well. But two things can be true at once. I can wish Lance Stroll well, but I could also be critical of his ability as a driver. Nah, 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 nah. I, I did that for Nicholas Satifi for many years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but... Um, yeah, I mean, look, I like Drogovic. I think he's a very talented driver. I, 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 I feel bad for him that he didn't get an F1 seat straight off the back of winning in Formula 2 last year. He dominated Formula 2 last season, but I think the whole he's a year three guy probably went against him in that hiring process. Um, the fact he didn't have an affiliated academy probably went against him as well, right until he won that title. I think it was the same weekend he won it. it was the same weekend he signed for Aston Martin. So it was like, oh, here we go. You know, it's all it's all come together. Enjoy your new job as a reserve. Which just makes me sad because it just it's a, I, I could rant for ten to fifteen minutes about how the junior ladder is broken, but I'll spare you on this occasion. Um, I think ultimately there's no real yardstick. I don't think Stroll's got anything to worry about. Not because Drogovic isn't a good driver. I think he is. It's just that it's hard to get a true comparison in the yardstick when one of your in fact, your longest tenured driver, the guy that knows the system and team better than anyone else in there, isn't available because Alonso's going to be learning too. We all know we probably would give Alonso the benefit of the doubt, given he's Fernando. But even so, it's it's it, there's no real yardsticks. There's no real sense of context here. I'm sure Drogovic will do fine, but again, there's nothing to compare him with, unfortunately, and that's probably what goes against him. What do you reckon uh, on, on the hotometer, Kieran? Um, I'm going to find a loophole and say, because we're not seeing stroll in testing, I'm giving it a one because factually it cannot happen. I almost want to give it an NA because it's not really applicable in that sense. But uh, yeah, I have to, I have to, to like, I'm going to go two for if, for the, if not for the reason, there's no reason why Drogovic can't be impressive in a vacuum when he takes the reins on testing tomorrow. Uh, you know, there's no reason why he can't be impressive in his own way, but I don't think it's going to be anything that's going to have Stroll be worried about. Um, so yeah, um, that's how I look at it. I'm going to say two on this occasion. Um, so yeah, that's how I look at it. Most of the chat saying mostly ones, you know, mostly ones on that one. So yeah, I think we're all in agreement on that one. So here's take number two. Hot take number two is from um, Ioki5 Chuck. I think that's Chuck Ioki. Thanks for following me on Twitter, by the way, big man. Um, interesting take. Um, says Nick the Freeze is going to beat Yuki Sonoda this year. 
Simple and to the point. Um, Nick the Freeze is going to beat Yuki Sonoda this year. Now, what do you reckon on that? Uh, I don't really know. And I'm starting on the basis of believing that Alpha Tauri will have minimal points this season. Like, I think if either beats the other, it'll be by two or three points. Um, but I have a feeling that it will be a stronger showing for De Vries, even depending on what the scores are. I think he'll come out of the season better than Yuki. Mm. Um, and unfortunately, my prediction for the season is Yuki will lose his seat. I don't yeah. think he's shown enough so far, and I don't anticipate a massive shift in that. Like, sure, he was given something undrivable last season, and he had a couple of highlights in 21, but... Um, I can't see the car being much better. And I think he's he's been dealt a bit of a rough hand um, with the car he had last year. And De, De Vries, he just already seems... he Like, I think of him, and I think solid pair of hands, even though he's only driven Formula 1 once. Very experienced driver, mm. world champion. Um, and I, I think he's got a lot more fight in him to keep the place that isn't that it's it feels like healthy and this we'll see this more but like yuki clearly cares yuki clearly has big drive but that comes out in a way that is detrimental to his racing i believe in in the anger and the the more the likelihood to make a rash decision that ruins his race that's more how that comes out in yuki and nick from what i've seen of him seems very calm he knows what he's doing and i think you know, I can't imagine either of them will be scoring major points, but I would, I would definitely think Nick would be on top at the end of the season. Yeah, I would, I would, I would agree with that. This is a strange one for me because, like, I mostly agree about Sonoda's future. I think this is a make or break year for Yuki. I think he has to realistically, like, beat Nick the Freeze pretty comprehensively to keep his job is what I would have to say. Um, I, I like Nick DeFreeze as a driver. I think obviously he, I, I think DeFreeze's career is one where I think the timing just did him in quite badly, whereas like, whereas like he won the Formula 2 title, but it was a year after that really stacked season where Russell, Norris and Albon all went up together. That didn't help. Um, like Nick DeFreeze was the fourth man in a three-man Formula 2 race back then. You know, had to go to Formula E because there wasn't really a seat for him at the time. It was a year three, I believe, graduation for Nick DeFries when he won that Formula 2 title, which, again, most people look down upon year three grads, which doesn't exactly help. Um, he, Of course, he won the Formula E World Championship, and that was a, a fantastic achievement. But even then, that season... That season was largely criticized because of how much of a lottery the qualifying system was. It was a mess of a season where I think it was something like 16 different drivers mathematically could have won that title going into the final two races of the season. It was a mess. And I'm not I'm trying not to be too harsh on the freeze in that sense, because you still got to beat who's put in front of you at the end of the day. But then last season of Formula E, Stoffel Van Dorn destroyed him. And Stoffel's another guy that's been on the outside looking in to try and get back into F1 himself. So I'm not... The ultimate point I'm getting at here is I'm not sure how good Nick DeFries actually is. And even his one-off appearance at Williams last season, on you could look at it in two different ways. On the one hand, he came in as an emergency stand-in, scored points. That's about as good 
as you can, you know, realistically hope for out of somebody. On the other end of the coin, Williams always does well at Monza because it suits their car. So how much of that was just Nick, you know, taking a good car and doing all right with it? Because again, the main yardstick, Albon, wasn't available. Um, so I don't know. It's it's a it's a really tough one, this one. Um, I like Nick. Genuinely tough. I mean, what do you reckon number-wise, Kieran? I think I'm going to go with the four. I, I, I do think this will happen. So I'm going to go with four. I think this is going to be close. I think if Nick performs to his full potential, I think he's got a chance of beating Sonoda over a full year, especially given, like you said, I think the Alpha Tauri is not going to be a strong car. And that means points will probably come at a premium. Um, and it might just take one or two big results over a season, a sixth or a seventh, something like that. And that might be enough to win an entire season's worth of points. If the Alpha comes in strong at the start of the season and declines, I would say Yuki will finish higher. If it gets better during the season, I think Nick will finish higher. That's a fair point, because that happened with Alfa Romeo last year, where they scored all their points in the first third of the year. and then So Valtteri had the advantage, and then Joe was actually probably driving better at the end of the year? A little bit, I'd say so, yeah. I think there's something to that. Um, this is tough. Um, I would say... I don't want to go for a cop-out and say three, because I, it's, I think it could... But I, I'm going to go three, because I genuinely think this could go either way. I really do. Like, I, I hope this isn't deemed as a cop-out, but... I really do think there's a tangible argument for both of them here. I really do. Um, and I, I know it's a bit safe for a hot takes based podcast. So forgive me for that, but I really am on the fence on this one. Um, I think Yuki's experience is probably going to help him in the short term. Maybe Nick DeFree's natural talent, maybe his ceiling being a little bit higher, maybe better in the long term. I'm not sure. It's. It, I think it's really close. Um, so I'm going to go free on this one. Um, let's have a quick look at the chat, see what they thought real quick. Higher end, three, like fours and fives. A fair few amount of fours and fives there. Um, yeah, okay. So you, they're leaning more towards you on this one, Kieran, which I think is fair enough. Naturally. <laughs> if you say so. I've um, always loved chatting their opinions. Of, of, of course <laughs> you have, Kieran. You've never you've never disagreed with them ever, not in a million years. Um <laughs> right. Hot take number three. And it's from uh Nat Asp V10. Is, is that Nathan Aspinall from the Darts? I wonder. I um so. <laughs> that would be pretty cool if he was a fan of us. Uh um do do love Nathan Aspinall as a darts fan. Um <laughs> uh, I don't think so, given it's got V10 at the end, but one can hope. Maybe it's a burner. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, absolutely. Give me a secret F1 account, but uh, <laughs> that'll be fun. I think this is going to be a quick discussion, though, given the take is Valtteri is winning the championship. Why has that made the cut? Like, how are we meant to fill time with that? Who who, who picked this? <laughs> that's, just, that's absolutely disgraceful. You know what? I'm I'm glad we were late for this stream now. I'm glad I'm glad everyone had to put up with nothing happening. <laughs> oh, I mean, we're, we're making up for lost time. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, no one. There you go. <laughs> maybe it's the championship of helmet designs yeah 
He has put out a really cool helmet today. And there's also something else cool that's come out today, isn't there, Dre? There has indeed. We've dropped some new merchandise. So check out shop.wtf1.com. Uh, and we've dropped a Valtteri Bottas range to whom it may concern. I think you know where that phrase is from. So we did drop a couple of new designs, T-shirts, mugs, hoodies. You could check that out, shop.wtf1.com. Do check that out if you haven't already. We promise this pick wasn't selected as a plug. (laughs) Honest. (laughs) And also, it's worth saying, the design on Valtteri's helmet that he's released today is so along the lines of our design that we've been working on for about three weeks. Yeah. So it is remarkable that it's happened today. It's really bizarre. Like You may have seen it because I think the tweet we had for it went semi-viral of us posting about the helmet, not to toot our own horns too much on this one. But we genuinely did not know that was coming. Um, So that was actually hilarious that we dropped that merch design on the same day that that helmet design came out. I was like, well, this is just beautiful. <laughs> this is wonderful to comedic timing. It was fantastic. So uh, we had a good laugh to ourselves in our group chat amongst um, uh, amongst ourselves on that one. It was just beautiful timing. I, I openly chuckled, Dre. Me too. I'll, I'll admit that I openly chuckled. I was like, "What? I, 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 I couldn't believe that. That was uh, that that was wonderful." But uh, <laughs> I think it sums it up best from uh, one of our guys in the chat, Troy, who says, "Might not win the championship, but he will win our hearts." Uh, God yeah. bless him for trying. This is a well, one. This is a one, isn't it? Yeah. Let's, let's, let's just move on quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Let's yeah. just move on from that one. <laughs> These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster and for free. This is a genuine 100% true story. My details being on LinkedIn Jobs because of applying for other positions in the industry before is what led to WTF1 reaching out to me and eventually getting my job here. Absolutely, 100%, it does work. It's so easy, it is to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs, even I can do it. Then add your job and the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with just the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash WTF1. That's linkedin.com slash WTF1 to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, here comes take number four, and it comes from Isolation Gamer 1. Isolation Gamer 1, who sent in the quote of, Aston Martin will be more likely to get podium finishes this year than Alpine. So what could be the battle of the midfielders? Uh, Aston Martin will be more likely to get podium finishes this year than Alpine. It it would take a... uh, It's a weird one, right? Because if you asked me this six months ago, I'd have probably said no chance. But I think towards the end of last season, I think Aston Martin got stronger as the year went on. And I think by the end of the year, they were challenging Alpine for those, you know, upper midfield sort of like seventh and eighth place finishes. 
So if they keep that upward trend, maybe. But I also think, has Alpine fixed their reliability problems? Because that was a big hurdle for them last season. I think they had something like seven or eight technical DNFs last season. So this is a tricky one, Kieran. What do you think? Let's take those teams. Let's take Alpine. Let's take McLaren. Let's take Aston Martin. Mm. They're the ones I would be bunching together. Um, and I'm just going to check if you can still hear me, Dre. If Was that coming through? <laughs> okay, cool. Um, because everything just froze for me. But I'm going to continue because that's the professional I am. Um, if you look at those teams, Alpine, McLaren, Aston Martin. McLaren, I think, are showing incredible lack of optimism for this season, or at least the start of it. Mm. And I think it is genuinely concerning for them. And I thought it was controversial to suggest that Aston Martin would be fighting with them. I now, honestly, after everything we've seen after launch season, um, after the way Aston Martin talked about their new car and the things they've done to it, I put them ahead of McLaren for me personally this season. Alpine have had... They, they get stronger every year. They look really good. And yeah, they've got the reliability issues. I look at the driver lineups. I think... I was thinking about this earlier. I think... Honestly, I put them fairly close, but I would give Alpine the edge on this. I think that's fair. I think, I think Alonso is a better driver than Esteban, but I also think Esteban is massively underrated, and I think he will deliver. And if there will be podiums this season outside the top six drivers, it will be Esteban Ocon, in my mind. Um, Lance and Pierre, honestly, it's hard to tell. We've not really seen them. I, I, don't, I don't know. Pierre is... Because I'm coming off the back of quite a negative season for Pierre, but obviously he is... Like you said, he completely outdrove the car in 2021, put in some incredible performances. So I I struggle to look past Alpine being the surprise podium contenders, but I I don't see it as out of the realm of the uh, out of the realm of possibility to see Fernando on there. Um, maybe Lance if there's a bizarre race, but you've got to put, you've got to say Fernando is the most likely. So I I think there's a chance of both. But I think Alpine would be more likely consistently to be there. I think this is close. I think this is definitely close. Um, I agree with you. I think McLaren's been oh, probably going to be the other major factor in this in this midfield race. McLaren were very down on themselves when they launched their car. They were saying, you know, their aim is to finish fourth overall. And I'm like, well, wasn't that the same aim as last year? Like, so mm. they're clearly not confident, especially to start off with. Aston Martin have got Dan Fallows. He's a fantastic aero guy. Um, and, you know, green ball jokes aside, Aston Martin absolutely got better as the year went on. But Alpine's been the consistent number four player. And I think they would have comfortably beaten McLaren if it wasn't for that reliability problem um, they had throughout the year. And if Alpine thinks they fixed that, then they should be aiming for 200 to 250 points, I reckon. And that... That could be hard for anybody to stop in that midfield fight. Um, I think at their best, I think they are the fourth best team. So with that in mind, I think it's I think Aston Martin will definitely improve yeah. this year compared to what they were last year. I still think overall, I think Alpine is just a little bit stronger. In terms of car, I think their driver lineup is slightly better. I'm still not sure on how Gasly will fare. Um, alongside mm. Oakland, I mean, we were quite down on them uh, when we talked about them in our ball predictions preview we we had for the season. Um, 
only because we just think Ocon's that good. Personally, it's I don't think it's a Gasly problem. I think it's a situation problem. I'm gonna go two on this one. I think I, I it wouldn't be a huge upset to me if if out you know if Aston Martin were to sneak a podium or two or something along those lines or maybe get to our P level because I think towards the end of last season we saw that that, that is feasible but I think over the course of this season I think Alpine will will solve their reliability and I think I think Alpine will still be the number 14 what do you reckon Karen I'm gonna stick with you on that one for exactly the same reasons yeah so both saying two a lot of twos in the chat I did see some twos um three to four from rapid scorpion in there as well he's quite high on he's quite high on the on 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 the fallows higher so yeah in very interesting indeed and I agree with you I'm, I'm gonna be very curious to see how Gasly fares outside of a red Bull umbrella yeah. team that's gonna be fascinating to watch um definitely right take number five it comes from uh, Stefan forty two I believe that's how it's pronounced um Stefan forty two who says this is this is this is a very subjective one. This thing's going to be interesting. Aside from the retro typeface on the rear wing, which is very cool, the new Ferrari livery is mediocre at best. Well, I mean, we put out today a social media post with our ratings for each of the liveries, and I gave the Ferrari livery a nine. I think mine was an eight and a half. So I feel like very quickly we go one on that don't we? <laughs> i mean <laughs> quite like, possibly the, the data is there look i i have not been a fan like my peak ferrari is early 2000s ferrari mm. i love seeing the red and white glossy finish but that's just not going to happen so looking at a ferrari in what is possible and feasible these days compared to the last few years i think they've nailed it this year i think there's still things i would possibly prefer but it just looks mean it looks fast and it's just sexy. Um, and I've not thought that about uh, previous iterations over the last few years. So, I mean, I, I just personally don't agree. But obviously, with liveries, God, the comments, people are so stupid in the comments of these things where they're like, but but I don't think that. Yeah, fine, okay. It's, it's such an irrelevant, like, subjective thing. But it was the only thing to talk about. So... I personally, I really like it, and I don't often love Ferrari liveries. So for me, I disagree with you, but that's absolutely fine. Yeah, this is purely subjective. So there's no wrong answer here, as far as I'm concerned. Um, if you if you liked that livery, then cool. If you didn't like it, then that's cool too. It's it's this is not one of these things where you can back it up with facts or or what you've seen observation wise. This is just purely what you think a pretty car looks like, and personally i can only go with my personal opinion on it um i think it's a very very nice livery um the only thing that i would really have a big problem with was the you know was the was the was the black side pod um and you know the the, the exposed carbon on the side pod of the car which i thought was a bit patchy um i didn't quite like that so much but besides that i thought it was an excellent looking livery look it's a ferrari it's going to be red as much as I would have loved them to have gone yellow at Monza last year, so much so I bought the frigging T-shirt and was very disappointed when I found out they only made the engine cover yellow. I'm not bitter about this, honest. Um, 
besides that, you kind of know what to expect with Ferrari. And I wonder if this take is more based on the lack of surprise that there wasn't anything bold or radical besides that green mission win now logo from a couple of years ago. But we don't talk about that because that was ugly as sin. Um, But again, I, I wonder if that take is based more in surprise rather than actual subjective how do you feel about this livery i wonder um steven get in touch you know you can always tell us if, if that's if that's what it was based in at the end of the day um i'm gonna go one i think it's a i think it's a gorgeous livery i think i really do like that ferrari i think it looks great um it, it, it looks fast i, I like the black I, again I'm, I'm glad you we, we at least agree on the rear wing i think the retro type face is awesome on the back wing of that car and the black on that is awesome so yeah i think it's a great livery personally so i'm gonna go one on this one and i, I think i'm right in saying you're in the same camp kieran i have to go one because i've given it a nine myself so there's nothing i can really do Right, take number six, and this is another Valtteri-related one, but this one's a bit more interesting. Um, Blue Blue Lays one says Valtteri will retire at the end of next season, so 2024. I think he's reached a sweet spot where he's content with his F1 achievements and personal life, and has a lot more going on on the business front. Plus, he would ace other series as well. So, yeah, Valtteri to retire after 2024. Sweet spot, content with his F1 achievements, content personal life, etc. Maybe want to race another series. So Valtteri to retire at the end of 24. What do you reckon, Kieran? I think we kind of touched on this. If I remember correctly, in a previous Hot Takes, when we were talking about who would be involved with the Audi project. And because if you're looking on the grid... If there's going to be vacancies in some seats, like you've, you've got to think when you're talking about where a driver would go or what their future is looking like, you've mm. kind of got to do maths with the rest of the grid and see where seats might open up, who might be interested in them. And I would say each year that goes by now, Valtteri's stock gets less valuable. Yeah, um, that's probably fair. Yep. I, I think I think he's a great driver, mm-hmm. but at the moment, I mean, of course, like a Haas would take a Valtteri if they had the option or, you know, a team like that. But I, I just don't, I don't see him being a part of that Audi plan. I, I don't think, I can't see him being around that long. And this kind of goes with what I was thinking anyway. I I, I would suggest the next couple of years, because it, it does seem like he's got a lot outside of Formula One going for him. A lot of different focus, a different mindset. And look, I know he still says he's incredibly passionate about racing, which is, yeah perfect like i don't doubt that for a second but i think with drivers there comes a time where like you'll always be passionate about racing but the things in life can change maybe a family having a family or anything like that so i i can i think that's plausible i think what would that be that'd be three three years after merc yeah i i can see it i can see it especially if Alpha don't make a massive upturn with this season or next, and I don't really see them doing that. So, yeah. Mm, this is a difficult one for me. Um, Valtteri's 33. End of 2024 takes him to his age 35 season because his birthday is in August. So um, he'll be 35 when that 2024 season finishes. I would be leaning towards agreeing with this if it wasn't for one kicker. Audi's coming. And 
I I don't think Valtteri will leave the sport of his own volition until he knows for sure what's going on with the Audi program and whether he's going to be a part of it or not, and then making the decision from there. Now, we don't know what Audi's thinking um, in terms of what they would like driver-wise, whether they would want maybe some experienced names, maybe they want to lean towards youth. Sauber's not got a massively deep academy. It's basically Theo Porcher and friends. Um, I don't know. It's, 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 it's hard to speculate on someone's personal life like that. I do agree with what Blue Lays is saying in that, yes, there is absolutely a lot going on with Valtteri off, off the track. He's, I think he's clearly a lot more relaxed. He's coming to his own, I think, a bit more as a person after a decade in Formula 1. That's admirable. I love that about him. And I love the fact that he's seemingly mellowed out a lot more from that very high-pressure Mercedes environment. Um, I know his 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 partner, Tiffany, is a, is a keen cyclist, but I know she's... I think, I think she's winding down um, for a cycling career soon. Um, I know he sells coffee as well, so he's clearly got other interests. Um, has raced the race of champions, so maybe rallying. It's a very fin- it's a very finished tradition. Maybe that could come into play later on in his career. Rally drivers do tend to go a bit longer than most, um, more into their forties. <clears throat> this is this is this is tough. There's a lot of different ways you can look at it. Certainly. Um, I'm leaning towards the disagreeing side of things to wrap up, mostly because I feel like the Audi... I think if he retires in 2024, a part of him will think, what if Audi wanted me in 2026? Because they might just want an experienced veteran who knows the setup, and Valtteri, I think, is still pretty good. I think he was certainly very good the first half of this season. We don't know how much his skills will decline over time. Um, I, I think there's too many question marks for me to thoroughly agree with this take. Um, so I'm going to go two on this occasion. I think there's a better chance he sticks around and sees what's happening when Audi come in in 2026. What do you think, Aaron? I, I just think if Audi want experience... Valtteri, even though he's currently at the team, is not the first, second, or third choice. By that, by the time that comes around to me, he wouldn't be one of the high-profile, experienced drivers you would maybe look at, in my eyes. I think he's a great driver, but I think if, if that's the role you want, someone who's got loads of experience to help the driver come through, that's not really the vibe I see with Valtteri necessarily. So I'm going to go four on this one. Then again, this is also the same sport where Nico Hulkenberg is back on the grid after three years out as a full time right as a full time driver. Well, yeah. So yeah. who knows at this point? Like twenty eight year old Nick DeFries is making his full season debut, which would never happen given how the F one ladder normally plays out. So it's Sebastian a... Vettel, Sebastian Vettel, <laughs> back with Audi. No, you reckon? Yeah, that, that's that's a, that's a hot take in of itself. Yeah, I do wonder where his Instagram posts are going with this. There's still a race to win because he's he's doing that career retrospective on his Instagram page, and I'm yeah. very curious to see it's, what, it, it's what the end is. It's a tease yeah. that's gone just too long for me to actually feel like I'm being teased anymore. Right, it's just like is this just a yeah. retrospective? Okay, yeah. or uh, just put the documentary out and let me watch it. Yes, thank you. Just put it on Netflix so we can all watch it like everybody else can. For God's sake, Sebastian. Yeah. Right, a bit of a tangent there, but we we, we had we, we have to speak our truth on this show. Absolutely. Right. Uh, final take of the episode. Well, 
I'll find the one that that's uh, you've sent us in anyway. Yeah. Uh, it's from it's from Marcin Zygmunt Eight. Um, I hope I pronounced that right, Marcin. Sorry, if, uh, apologies if if I haven't. Um, this is an interesting one. This is the last take of the episode. It says cars will be much closer in performance to each other. Verstappen will still win the title, but Perez will be sick because he's worse than any driver from Ferrari or Mercs. Did I send this one in? <laughs> <laughs> it feels like it, doesn't it? Given the given how we've spoken about this in the past, yeah. Um, Carl, one more time. Carl's will be closer in performance to each other. Verstappen will still win the title, but Perez will be sixth because he is worse than either driver from Ferrari or Mercedes. I completely agree. That is, as I, that's a hundred percent what I believe. I think Verstappen, Verstappen wins the title. I think okay. it's going to be much closer fight, but like I said, I think the Mercs are going to get in each other's way. Points will be split, so I think Mercs will win constructors, but not drivers. And I think Verstappen will win it with a few races in hand. Um, and Sergio, my prediction, and I will stick by it, even though people think I'm an idiot for saying it, is that he won't last a full season at Red Bull. I think the more the car becomes Max's vehicle, the less it suits Sergio. And I think it's going to get to a point in terms of constructors. Dre, that's not very respectful, is it? I'm giving my opinion. And to everyone on the audio podcast, he's giving a thumbs down. He's giving a thumbs down to everybody. I, mean, I, I just I just think it's going to come down to a tight constructors this year. And when there's so much money involved, Perez will be the weak link in that Red Bull team. I don't think anyone can argue that. Out of the two drivers, Verstappen oh, yeah. is consistently going to smash it. And Perez, in a car that was superior, was nowhere near at the end of the season. So... I can see that happening entirely. And I think I would have put him ahead of Carlos. I would have put him ahead of Carlos, but if I don't think he's going to last the full season, you then can't. yeah. So I, I would, I am going to agree with that a hundred percent. I think, I, I, I think you're crazy. <laughs> I honestly think this is balmy. Like, uh, don't get me wrong. I'm not the biggest admirer of Sergio Perez's talent, but to, to put him as dead sick out of six out of that, elite group i think it might actually work out better for red bull in the long run that there is a big disparity between verstappen and perez i say that because i still think red bull will win about half the races i still think red bull will dominate the season um and i also think that both ferraris and both mercs are close enough where they'll take points off each other and I think if Red Bull is dominant and they have the best car, I think there'll be a lot of one-two finishes or one-three finishes, something along those lines. And I think that would be enough to put Perez up over at least one of those other four cars I've just mentioned. I really can't... I, it would have to be a huge difference in car performance for me to realistically start thinking that Perez finishes sixth. I'll give Kieran this. Oh, that's very kind of you. Thank you. Yeah. I'll give you this. If the cars are closer, I think there is definitely a chance. But I don't think the cars will be that much closer to the point where it would open the door for Perez to finish sixth out of the six big hitters. I think that Red Bull will still have a dominant car. I still think they'll win at least 12 rounds, I think, out of the 23 we've got. Um, in, in equal machinery, where do you put Perez out of those six? Probably five or six. I think I'd, I'd, I would definitely take Verstappen. I would definitely take Hamilton, and I would definitely take Leclerc over him. Not Russell. Russell, I'm a little bit 
up and down on, mostly because like, I think the body of work is still a little bit small. He's only had one season in a really prolific seat. His Williams career was obviously exceptional, not disputing that, but it's a bottom-ranked car. How much stock can you put into that? Well, always... I mean, like an, an exceptional starter season in a, in a top-ranked car, like an unbelievable season. Surely yeah. that's worth something. Yeah, but Sergio Perez made an entire career out of getting the maximum out of midfield cars. That was his that was his magnum opus. Well, it's a shame he can't do it in a top car then, isn't it? Well, maybe so, but that's also, I believe, worthy of something. There were some good, talented drivers in that midfield, including Carlos Sainz, you know, who also was a bit of a journeyman in that midfield of F1 seats. You know, Renault and Toro Rosso and McLaren before eventually getting the Ferrari seat, but like Perez has proven his worth over the years. And yes, there's a little bit of luck with some of those podiums he had with those midfield teams. But when it happens seven or eight times, you have to wonder, maybe there is more to it than just being in the right place at the right time. I would probably put Perez five out of those six. I think he's roughly where Carlos Sainz and George Russell is. I, I would certainly say he's on the lower end of those six. But I don't think I can say with confidence he's going to be stone dead last out of those six, especially because I don't think the ability of Perez is going to matter as much as the quality of his car. And I think Red Bull will still dominate. That's my feeling. So I'm going to assume you're going five on this, given you're still adamant, Kieran, that he's getting cut mid-season. Yeah, surprise, surprisingly, I'm going to stick with what I think here. Yeah. Okay, okay. I'm going to go two. No, give it a one. Give it a one, Dre. If it's, if it's such a ridiculous proposition, give it a one. No, I think your, propos- one. I think your proposition is ridiculous, not the take itself. But isn't, isn't, <laughs> it, isn't it a take that Perez finishes sixth? Your take is that Perez loses his job mid-season. That's an even more extreme version but th- of it. That's, that's only as an explainer for why he will be sixth. I don't think he'll be sixth. I think Red Bull's too good for that. So I'm going to go two. Go one. I'm not. I'm not going to go all the way. Do with it. Be one. ballsy. Be ballsy. I don't need to be ballsy. I've backed up my argument. <laughs> it's not happening, mate. Um, I, 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 I'm, I'm going to clip. If someone could clip this and send it to me, so I've got it for later in the season, that'd be much appreciated. Yes, Mister. I'm Lance so confident, Mister. Lance Straw podium sitter over there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. We, we, we're going to have a collection of these clips stashed up over the course of the season. We're going to have like, just going to be like a crap list of like 10 minute montages of takes we got wrong on Twitch over the course of the year. It's going to be wild. Um, I'm going to stick with two. Um, I, I think there is a chance that the cars might be closer and that would obviously have a more dramatic effect on standings potentially. But I still think that Red Bull will have a clearly comfortable uh, number one car going into 2023. That's what I think on that one. I still have a little bit of niggle about George Russell when it comes to his overall ability. Not much. That's crazy to me. That's no, honestly like, crazy to me. Like it was a, a one season, season. He's, he, he's outperformed Lewis Hamilton. His first year, like he goes straight in outperforming Lewis Hamilton. And as much as we can say, oh, this is about oh Lewis was trying all these setups. I think that was saving face a little bit. George Russell had an incredible season, absolutely incredible. And to underrate it like that is mad to me. That's like compare his season compared to Sergio Perez's season, twenty twenty two. Oh, I agree oh, there. But it like a vast difference. No, I, I, I agree. Like, I, I, when I ranked the drivers' 2022 seasons, I had Perez, I want to say, eighth 
and I had Russell fourth. So, like, I'm not disputing the quality of his season. I just think the car that he's in is too good for, for that to happen, personally. Um, so that's why I'm going to on this one. I don't think it's a mm-hmm. Perez problem. I think it's a car problem, personally. Now, before we go, this is a little bit off script, but Kieran, you said that you had one of your mates who wanted to submit yeah. a take into the show. And as podcast director i've allowed this permission to happen so what was your friend's take and then we'll put it on the same scale and we'll we'll see what we reckon the chat feel free to chip in as well on twitch but uh what do you so what's the my, take? my friend giles um we come from a very working class background as you can tell <laughs> um, hi giles <laughs> um he knows nothing about formula one but he really wanted to chip in with a hot take um, sure. so i just thought we'd give it a brief discussion brief rating um so his take for this week i don't know if it's going to become a feature but um Jensen Button is better than Lewis Hamilton. He has a nicer attitude. <laughs> uh, where do you stand on that, Trey? Jensen is a very nice guy, but I also think that Lewis Hamilton is also a very nice guy. Yeah. Um, you know, um, so I think it's a wash on this. I think this is going to be a free. I think uh, um, mostly because I think they are both very nice people. Um, you know, I, I've always been a fan of Jensen. I like him a lot. And I've always been a fan of Lewis. And I like him a lot too. Everybody's happy. Friendship. It's like Mortal Kombat all over again. I've put, I've put the friendship animation in here. This is a complete cop-out because I don't want to piss off anybody else's fan base. But I'm going to go free. This is absolutely fine. <laughs> Kieran, what do you reckon? <laughs> I'm going to go one because Hamilton's obviously better than Button. But I, I, I think Jensen is the sexiest Formula One driver of all time. I will go out there on a limb and say that. And I did I did touch him last week and he touched me. I was also I was touched by Crofty again. Second time. Oh excellent, excellent. Um, but you, yeah. You've got a collection building up now. Absolutely. Have, have, have you moved on to, just... have you have you moved on to heavy petting yet? I <laughs> wish. I really wish. But um yeah, well thanks Giles for your contribution and we'll see what he comes up with next week. <laughs> I, I, I quite look forward to Giles's takes on Hot Take Wednesday. I mean, this might become a semi-regular feature, who knows? <laughs> but uh that is all the amazing range of takes we had on this week's edition of Hot Takes Wednesday. We'll be back post-testing next week week and our final show before the actual season starts and it's bound to get even spicier i reckon so uh yeah looking forward to seeing how that one goes down but uh for now from me trey harrison and from kieran oaks thank you very much for listening and we'll catch you guys soon sayonara bye